downtown Chicago. I'm sitting in this crummy bar and this broad walks up and she says, this is bonus content. And it will not affect the scheduling of your usual 3D RPG broadcasts. Welcome everyone, this is a bonus episode of the 3T RPG podcast. What's going on Nick? What's going on mate? It's all good over here, and you? Oh mate, I'm so good. I'm so good <laughs> today. I, I, You wouldn't believe the day I've been having. Oh my god. Oh yeah, go on. I had two, not one Nick, but two bowls mm. of cereal for breakfast this morning. Jesus, you know how to live man, you know how to live. I know, I, I called up um, Kanye West and I told him the life I was living, he told me to slow the fuck down or I'm going to be dead by 35. Well he's got a point mate, you know that, he's got a point, you know, you can't be eating two bowls of cereal every day. I'd be like oh. Elvis. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, and they were shreddies as well, so. Whoa. <sighs> cereal aside, today... <laughs> We're going to be talking about our top three RPG games. And for those that don't know what that means, that means role-playing game games. Because this is, after, mm-hmm. after all, a uh, role-playing game podcast about tabletop RPGs. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be going through our lists and our favourite RPGs and why we picked them. And then we're going to get into some electro letters and talk about uh, your favourite RPGs. And we're going to try to keep a policy of, like... Um, no wrong answers here. We're going to try. Try my best. We're going to try our best, yeah. You know what I'm like, Nick. I get very angry <laughs> at, at meaningless things. <laughs> you do, I do. It's not your fault, mate. Exactly. <laughs> like people eating fruit and fibre. It's wrong. It's, pure, it's <laughs> real just wrong. out of all of that. Is, they should be shot. <laughs> at birth. <laughs> oh, that's, a bit, that's a bit nasty. Sorry. It's um, a baby right. boy. Sorry. Um, He's into the wrong cereal. Get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, Throw him in down. the river. Right, let's get on with it. <laughs> so, Nick, lay it on me, man. What's your number three pick for your top RPG? My number three pick for my favourite RPGs has got to be DCC slash MCC Goodman Games. Why? You want to know why? <laughs> no, actually. But no, I believe we, we, because it's a podcast, we, we do have to. So go on. Uh, all right, go on then. Well, <laughs> I was obviously not around for the um, old school revival thing because I was never playing the games when it was old school. Um, obviously, you know, so I don't know. I've got no kind of point of reference. But so to you, it's just a game. It's just a game to me, but <laughs> OSR aside, it's fantastic. It's a great game. Um, you know, there's there's just it, um, out of all the kind of games that that I when I first got into the hobby that I thought sounded quite cool. I've got to be honest with you, fantasy was pretty low for me. Um, <clears throat> but after playing this, um, it kind of completely changed my outlook on everything. It's it's fantastic. It's it, I love the magic system in this in in in, in DCC. It's just something that I've never really um, come across before. The the table, you know, you've got a whole table of how well your spell can do. Uh, the backfire, you know, it comes with a price if it goes wrong, um, and just the kind of the the detail they put into these spells. Um, it just it makes wanting to be a magic user so much better, and I, you know, and I've never played, you know, me, I never played a wizard till DCC. Yeah, because um, in all properly. honesty, this game is like fairly simple. Like I remember when you first read the MCC rulebook, and you were like, actually, the rule mm. pa- rules pages is like five pages, right? But 
the 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 magic is is worth it for the price alone you know because you got oh, it, totally. it, it just makes that part of it so awesome but then they also kind of blend it in with the um with the the fighters and that as well they give them interesting mm-hmm. things to do with the mighty exactly, feats of every arms class. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Hobbit has special abilities. I mean, someone who's, who's say for argument's sake, you know, you that's played quite a bit of the old fantasy. Would you say that that BCC does does the whole OSR thing like justice? Yeah, because the thing is, it, to me, it emulates um, AD and D uh, well without the crunch. It gives you what what you want um, without it being boring tedious and all mm-hmm. this stuff and it, it does everything so simply and well and it's got a bunch of blanket rules that encompass every section i mean it's, mm. it's your pick but the point is is that yeah that's I, I i do i just agree with it basically because i think it's such yeah. a great game and um, it's fantastic i remember hearing once uh, it was on the spellburn podcast which is a really good podcast um they, they were saying that like because it's got a, the game uses a bunch of weird dice as well that it even mm. emulates what it was like to first get into the hobby. Because you're like, right. oh yeah, there's all these weird dice. What do they all do? What do they all mean? Kind of thing. And then it's like, when you pick this up again, it's like that all over again. Because you're like, a D7, what the fuck? D7, you what? Yeah, because I thought, you know, I thought I had, you know, I had a good few sets of the seven standard dice that you need. And then uh, and then when we was like, oh, we're playing some DCC now, you're going to need some, uh, some D5s and some D7s and D13s. You're like, you what? But mm-hmm. my God, it's so much fun getting them. You know, you get all these even more new dice. And you're like, what the hell? And it's it, it's so much fun. And I love the way that, in my opinion, I feel like DCC doesn't take itself too seriously. And in doing that, you can make it serious, if that makes sense. Yeah, because it is it is Gonzo, but that's an element mm. you can cut out rather than something mm-hmm. you need to add in. So yeah, it's totally. much better to give you more and to have it cut out kind of thing, I guess, mm-hmm. and to, to an extent. Because rather than giving you more rules, it gives you kind of more um, flavour. Yeah, yeah, so your favourite thing about it is is the spells, do you think, and the random elements? For me, yeah, for me, I, I would say that the, the best thing about DCC for me is, the, is the, the depth of spells, the creativity of the spells, and the fact that it's not just, you know, you, you perform a spell and there you go, you've got the corporeal effects, you've got this, the kind of, depending on how well you roll determines how good the spell is uh, and so on. And also the penalty and the backlash that if you don't roll well, you can lose the spell or even worse things can happen. So for me, definitely, the magic is is fantastic. For, for, for Bar Pathfinder, DCC is the first game I got into and it's like, reading all about the spells and stuff and for me i think it's fantastic so much fun what do you make it a combat in dcc great it's fast it works um it's brutal you know it's an incredibly brutal game Mm. at times um but for me that makes it fun as well because as much as it's again it harks back to the old school style i suppose from what i gather ad and d was pretty brutal back in the day and um DCC certainly is as well it was yeah yeah and and that's yeah I, i think it's it's basically like functional but every single character has a bell and a bell and a whistle you know yeah that's basically yep, it. So, yeah absolutely mate so right. that's my pick awesome how about you well done man my one is my my um number three is going to be um it's going to be vampire the masquerade i was trying to think of a joke just then but i couldn't <laughs> so i just blanked <laughs> i was like vampire <laughs> yeah yeah i just couldn't think of anything it's like i, I haven't got any i haven't got um, i'm not gonna be funny anymore listeners that's that's oh. not gonna happen right this is a serious podcast now Okay, vampire We've removed your sense of humour. Mm-hmm. We've got removed by a vampire. A humour <laughs> vampire. He, fe- he feeds on it right funny. Out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got sucked off by a vampire and here we are. So, um, 
Yeah, Vampire the Masquerade is an incredibly good game. It's all about playing vampires, obviously, in the 90s. Um, well, it's, at least the version I played was. We played version 2.0, which I don't know if mm. it's the best one. I don't even know if it's the worst one, but it certainly was very bloody good. And um, mm. I, I like this a lot because it's about playing vampires in the 90s, the social structures they have, politics, hierarchy, um, things like this. And I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And part of the reason I really liked it was... A, because the law was so good that it was one of the first games I ever completely stuck to the law and didn't have to alter any of it. But also because I really enjoyed the the dice mechanics and the way characters worked. Because the way characters worked in, in um, Vampire, even, even if you don't look at all of the cool vampire abilities and the different clans that you can put into it, is that it's a game that, because it's a story game, kind of forces roleplay and not in a way that is... Um, bad or horrible um mm-hmm. see the thing is you've got loads of social skills so whenever a character has to use one of them it gives the gm a chance or the storyteller in this case or the vampire lord or the bloodman if you want to call them whatever you want you know <laughs> I forgot about that ode to a bloodman yeah we called it a bloodman in our game <laughs> but if yeah if you want to the the, the bloodman can say to their players um okay if you want to roll uh i forget what they are now but it's like charisma plus subterfuge that is actually one mm-hmm. Or if you want to roll, um, I don't know, charm plus whatever the fuck, you can. Uh-huh. You can. The the GM can say to the players, okay, but how do you do that? And now the players suddenly have to um, actually role play every way that they're interacting with other players, and they have to do it. So it yep. teaches players that can't role play or or are bad at it, or that are I don't know gamers that just turn up to fight things how to roleplay or the fun of roleplaying and that was one of the Mm -hmm. reasons why I think it's a great system and a great setting to play in plus the thing is a lot of people say oh I didn't like it because it was too angsty and too 90s that's why I liked it I thought it was really fun that was its charm man for me it's up there it was one of my favourite games of all time it's just unfortunately didn't have enough space on the list but um, Vampire is such a vibrant and living world when you get in there it doesn't matter if it's in the 90s play it in the 90s you know if you especially if you grew up in the 90s it's a perfect reference point to play because you can you can rent for us anything in this world that you remember from the 90s as a kid and it makes it more fun when playing but hands down fantastic game especially because you have those um i forget what they're called but is it the which clan is it the one that like musicians is it the toreador I think so, yeah. I think so. Uh, 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 man, my, it's been a while since we played oh, it. I, mean, this, I this remember Malkavian and... Um, I think it's the oh, Toreador. But anyway, those uh, there's a clan that, that likes musicians, artists and things like this. And what's the best of the best? Because they uh, you know, um, thrive in social situations. Mm. As a result, they always um, embrace, which is you know, to make a vampire of, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, artistic types. And that means if you said it in the 90s... There's no reason why the biggest, most influential pop stars in the world wouldn't, might not be embraced. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, we've just bit boy zone. Yeah. <laughs> now, now it's uh, now it's blood zone. Blood zone. And they're, they're on they're on uh, this morning on TV, and they're like, um, so explain the new radical image, and they're like, well, um, <laughs> we got something to tell you. A new album's going to be a little bit uh, experimental. Can you turn the lights down a little bit? <laughs> Somebody draw the curtains. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that, I don't know it's, it's fantastic the 90s and mm. the cheese is what makes it so fun people oh, like totally. cheesy 90s movies cheesy 80s movie why not play one in a role playing game 
Yeah, absolutely. And vampires are cool. Come on. Yeah, they are cool. And you know what? Uh, d- uh, thanks to uh, a recent boom in vampire movies, they became uncool. And uh, it's it's good to remember that they were once awesome. And this is a good uh, uh, homage to that. Totally. And like, uh, what another thing I love about it as well is 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 the rules. You know, you've got these kind of social social rules that you can't break. And if you do, there's um, you know there's ramifications. And the best thing about it is like, you know, if you've got your normal murder hobo gang that just want to go around looting, shooting, and killing, um, ain't gonna work in vampire because you know you yeah, might do it to the wrong right. person. Mm. Exactly, because it's like another lesson to those types of people yep. um, that that playing by the rules can be fun. Because people mm-hmm. in power will like you, and that actually has its own gameplay benefit. Totally. And, and you know what? Like during vampires, like it's like certain things, like um, you know, not killing other vampires. So you can't just go around killing other people that piss you off. Um, yeah. And also, like not telling anyone, anyone that you're a vampire, and not letting the humans know. So you can't just go around using your powers whenever it suits you. Right. Well, I've got to use it because the mission. No, you can't. You've got to use them uh-uh. creative, creatively, mm-hmm. and well. And like mm-hmm. yeah, things like that. It really, really draws out the most creative um, parts of players, and it's uh, it's spectacular. It but, really um, is. Enough. Good about choice. That. Thanks, man. Um, how about your number two, Nick? And I don't mean my <laughs> my big fat number two. That's not the one. Not See, the one that we do in the in the loo. <laughs> it's that level of humor, man. That's that's, that's what gonna... happens after you get bitten by a humor vampire. That's it, mate. That's it. Uh, so number two for me has got to be the good old Savage Worlds. Um, you know, it's it's a great system in its genericness. That's what I like about it. Um, I think I, I, I don't know if Savage Worlds can do certain settings as well as others can that specialize in that setting, i.e. your shadow runny kind of stuff and things like that. I mean, not to say it can't be done. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel there's that depth. Because ultimately, uh, Savage it, Worlds is is a, is a cinematic um, game, yeah. right? It's meant for cinematic experiences. Exactly. And to be fair, it's so well supported. There are great, great stuff out there that, that's like published by um, Pinnacle, which is fantastic. And they've got like a universe of settings and stuff. So it's not like they haven't worked hard to kind of get you as much variety as you can. But personally, what I love about Savage Worlds is it, it's, it's, it's a very good toolbox. If you want to go, right, you know, I love this movie. I want to tell my friends about this movie or this this movie needs to be a film or this fantastic book needs to be made into a game. You go to Savage Worlds, it's all there for you, ready to go. You you add your own fluff and the framework works for everything. And for that, I think it's fantastic. Not to mention the um, dice. The dice in Savage Worlds for me is probably up there as one of the best dice systems there is. Um, I don't think I can compare the excitement to any, i mean you know rolling a natural 20 is fun sure we love it and you get your 20 you know you point to the ceiling you make the shouts and the whoops and it's great but when that when that when that dice is exploding and you're rolling like a d10 and you're hitting it tight you know three four five and you're doing <laughs> 60 yeah. damage you can't that, compare that, that that just doesn't happen with a d20 Mm-mm. see in savage nope. worlds when you hit the highest number on any dice let's say for example um you have a d6 or a d8 in shooting right if you hit the highest number, you get to roll it again and add them together. That's what the exploding dice is, or acing. Mm-hmm. There are two different names for it. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you can keep doing that, and it keeps adding together. So let's say, for example, you're rolling on damage, dear listener. You can really fuck someone up. That means Big a time. peasant can get an, a lucky shot on a player. <laughs> or if you're a peasant, if you're a starting-out character, and uh, the Dark Knight Lord Leviticus comes into town, you could kill him day one. If you're lucky, yeah. you could do it. Even if you haven't even got a weapon, 
with an unlucky punch, you could knock him out and kill him. If and, you've got uh, the gourd to go for it, the chances are you could pull it off. That's why that's why I really enjoy it because sometimes uh, Savage Worlds you can get lucky, and that's that's what it is. Is is um, it leads to the, those either uncinematic or cinematic moments. It's swingy, like and I like mm-hmm. that. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you know, and I um, like that anyone can go for it, and you know you can just go like you said. Any anybody can give it a shot. You know why not? But it sort of simulates quite well that feeling of the, of the lucky shot, you know, um, mm-hmm. and the the a, a gun is a, a gun and it can it can kill you, right? I mean, mm. I've heard this said before, you know, many 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 times. Fifteenth level, right? In um, in D and D, a peasant comes up to you with a crossbow, and let's say for example you're playing murder hobos because everyone is right, and goes, <laughs> yeah. uh, "You want you you're a DM. You want to teach the players about consequence." So a peasant from uh, many towns back comes up and comes up to you with a crossbow and goes, "You killed my family, and now I'm going to get revenge." Right? The players yeah. just go shrug and go, "Yeah, so what, man? That does one d six damage. Go ahead." What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, in Savage Worlds, you you might you might actually put put your hands up and go, you know what? Put the crossbow down. It's fine. Oh, steady on there, Sonny. All right, it's a misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and you know what? Absolutely. One of the things I really like what you mentioned was uh, was the things about about how it, it's good at emulating books, comics, and TV shows and things like this mm. because you're absolutely right. And I feel because it's got this system in it with their edges and hindrances, right? And a lot of those are based around the tropes and uh, a kind of um, cliches, which is a, mm. a, a, a got a bad word, but it, it's got a bad connotations oh. behind it. But it's like mm. it's actually not in this case because they're based around tropes within genres, and it leads mm-hmm. to this really cool system where you where you can build um, the characters and things you love from TV shows. Yep. I ran yep. a game once where. I did uh, the characters from Stranger Things uh, who accidentally went into Wonderland. Perfect. And you could do that in Savage Worlds. Like, and that's and Savage Worlds for you. You could do it in anything, really, but I mean, you mm-hmm. could do it easily in Savage. That's it. And it, and, and it injects the excitement into it, because not only is it very easy to be able to, to, to convert it into a game, it also, with the added, like you said, the kind of um, film-esque kind of action, like you said, like fast-paced action way the, the actual system works, it makes it like you're watching a film or you're part of this book or, or whatever. And it just really, really chimes well with what you want to do with it. So for that... You know, homebrews. I think you go to you go to is got to be savage. Personally, couldn't agree more. Well done, man. Um, but let me ask you this: I put you on the spot a little mm-hmm. bit here, but you said that one of your favourite things about it is the sort of glut of settings that this has available for it. What is your mm-hmm. what's your favourite setting of all of them of, for Savage Worlds? Yeah. Oh, can I have two? Yeah, go on in. Okay, two. If I had to pick two, it would be um, Solomon Kane and uh, Warhammer. I think they're fantastic. Okay, yeah, yeah, because Warhammer was actually obviously a um, fan-made one, but that's awesome. Yes, it's free as well. I put Warhammer mm. up there in my top settings list as well because it's free. Get Savage Worlds yeah. Deluxe for tenner. Get Warhammer for free, and there you go. Boom, mm-hmm. you've got a whole laughing, and it's fantastic. It's brilliant. We played it for months, didn't we? Months mm. and months and months. I loved Savage Warhammer. It's so fun. Me too. Yeah, me some too. Of the stupid shit that went on there, like the fact that we we had a character that was a murderous psychopath. He died, and then his next character came along that was like a um, what was it? Was it, one of the victims of his previous the daughter of the victim? Yeah, yeah. So they had killed his dad or whatever. Yeah, and then she came looking. She was like, "Have you seen this man?" And we were like, "No, <laughs> we oh, never man, I missed that. Him. I missed that guy." 
crazy German guy. I miss him a lot. What Harold. was his name again? Harold. Yeah, Harold. he was nuts. Yeah. Do you remember he, he fell just... asleep during the game once? We just, just we were playing snoring. online and we just we just heard snoring <laughs> and he was just like, <laughs> <laughs> we were like, Harold, what are you doing? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> and we're like, wake up! And he's like, oh, okay, I smashed the guy with my warhammer. <laughs> yeah. we're like uh, imagine oh. it would be funny if we weren't in combat at that point well he just wakes up and goes I smashed the person with my warhammer and it's like, we're like no we were we were in court if you remember please please <laughs> yeah, it was a judge <laughs> alright so uh, yeah my number two is going to be uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics as well so I picked mm-hmm. that uh, I, I pretty much picked it for the same uh, same reasons as you uh, a couple of other things I wanted to touch on hmm uh, where the fact that we've been playing the same campaign for a year and a half now in that uh, in that system, obviously mm-hmm. it's a, a very easy uh, you know rules light fantasy game uh, OSR game. But uh, one of the things I, I particularly think is is a massive selling point for DCC that I don't I don't know if we touched on earlier is how how spectacular uh, the 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 tools are for the GM in there. Um, mm. And how how much stuff you've got in there? Because the, yeah, you've got the classic monsters in there, but you've got so many weird ones. Dimensional sailor, time traveler, who's basically somebody from Star Wars because he's got a beam yep. sword. You've got all types <laughs> of stuff like this, and then you've got like um, tables rolling up dragons, and it can be anything from young aquatic dragons to uh, elder dragons that are the size of a fucking city that could take out oh somebody. You know, you, and it's like things yep. like this, and and then they each have all these unique features and. Um, it's got things for rolling up magic swords, magic potions, scrolls, things like this. And the GM mm-hmm. section is so good. And all yeah. of this is in one volume. And uh, we've said this before, obviously, on the podcast. But that, yeah, um, everything that Nick said plus that is basically mm-hmm. uh, my reason for picking that as my number two. Um, so, yeah. Good choice, mate. And Nick, number one. What's your, what's your favorite number RPG? Number one. Number one. Well, number one had to go to this game purely because... It's it has a special special place in my heart. So my favourite number one game was a game that first got me into the hobby, as I said, uh, and it's got to be the eerie, the dark, the mysterious Call of Cthulhu. Um, it's brilliant. It's uh, as a massive horror fan, um, it really, really, uh, you know, I really, really enjoyed the concepts of it. Um, I think I even said to you guys before, um, you know, when you were trying to put this new uh, group together, when we uh, gaming group that we meet up with every week. Um, obviously our friend Ryan um, was up for it and he was trying to sell the idea to me and I said to Harrison the other day hands on heart if if Ryan had come to me and turned around and said would you be interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons fantasy in a role-playing group chances are I probably would have turned the offer down Um, at the time um, it was something that I didn't really have much experience in or much interest in but it wasn't it was called a Cthulhu yeah. So, but when Ryan, our friend, turned around and said, "Look, we're going to play a role-playing game where you're um, investigators in the 1920s, and you're investigating paranormal and and like otherworldly uh, horror and stuff," I was like, "Yes, please sign me up straight away." Um, and I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Is that why you chose Call of Cthulhu? Because it's more open. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's literally because. Uh, I knew it was an easy sell, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember at the time it was it was thirteen pounds, and I was just like, I got it for that off Amazon, which is insane. Yeah, I don't wow, know yeah. how it was that much. Mm. And then uh, I obviously had D and D and stuff like that, but I was just like, well, mm. um, yeah, I need to get it for these guys uh, so, so I can get get a good role playing group started up again. 
And it was stupid because what happened was is I advertised it to everyone at work and all my friends and the amount of interest I got in it was was insane. Like about 25 people t- signed up to play. And oh, I was like, hell. all right, well, I'm just going to cancel the event and then just pick the ones I want. That's really bad, isn't it? <laughs> but I just literally and then I got just went, all right, didn't Nick, I, Ryan, remember? James, or you you guys, you're you're. you're no, you interviewed it. me. Don't you remember? He was like, right, uh, do you want to come down to the pub or have a pint? And then like, it was like, meet the GM. <laughs> well, I wasn't quite like that. I, did, I sort of wanted to see what you were like because I'd, I'd never met you, but I thought you might be a oh, psychopath. But, but like, well, I am. I am. You know quite, that. Yeah. Um, but so it was a primer as well. Describe the way that um, Call of Cthulhu works in brief. Okay, in brief, um, Call of Cthulhu um, knows how to do horror. So if you want to scare the shit out of your players and keep them on edge and generally terrify them, then use Call of Cthulhu. It does it so well. Not only does it absolutely ace how to uh, run an investigative game, it's just so dark and deep. Like there's there, You don't even have to show too much to still get people scary and i really learned that when i run it properly for the first time myself when i did cold warning and the game the it feels like the game does it for you it's so good and it, and, and you can really rack up the tension yeah because and, literally you know, all you really need to do because you've got you've got um you've got a d100 you roll under to succeed but then some things can be the hard or extreme as well mm-hmm. and and yeah. that's it so you need to hit a, a slightly different percentage based on the other percentage so so that's basically it it's it's really simple and mm-hmm. um but obviously the the best thing about it and the reason everyone always talks about it is is the insanity yeah the insanity mechanic it's great you know you see something you see someone get murdered you see a slimy tentacle come out of the corridor you see something off putting bang straight away roll sanity every time you're rolling sanity you lose sanity points and to a point where you can break your character not through damage but by through um psychological shock and that's what makes it so fun you know you might end up in an asylum for the rest of your life because you couldn't handle the quest and the gm loves giving this shit to players because he loves Mm -hmm. making them role play their insanities right and the thing i really really um enjoy about it as well is that in most games if well usually depending on what it is Let's say, for example, you make your will save on something in D&D. You avoid it. You make the reflex save. You avoid it. In Call of Cthulhu, mm. most of the time, if you see something horrific um, and you make your sanity check, you still lose sanity. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, but, but, <laughs> they're that horrible. And it's like zombies, yeah. vampires, all those types of things. They aren't even what you think in Call of Cthulhu. They're that horrific. And it could just be, it's like you said, Nick, as simple as the DM goes, you look down the hallway, you see something you can't comprehend, roll insanity, and it'd be something yep. like that. And you just go, you roll sanity, you fail, and then it's like, right, you've got a, f- a permanent fear, and then you say what they're afraid of, and they go, oh my yep. God, what was that down the hallway? Or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, you go. You got a permanent I mean, fear of babies, and then they just go, "What the fuck?" And then they oh, just start legging man. it. <laughs> that was our first game. Do you remember we opened that box and that like kind of like disembodied baby face came out screaming? <laughs> and I think Ryan's character was the first one to see it. And then from the rest of the game, or the rest of the campaign, he had a, 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 a an irrational fear of babies. Which, which actually was telegraphing the the ending of the campaign because the final boss was a baby, right? But mm-hmm. the, the only thing which sounds horrible, there is context to that, ladies and gentlemen. But <laughs> yeah. um, the final boss was a baby, and I forgot to get him to roll sanity at the end when he saw it. Oh shit! Because I got you all got to roll it, one. but it should have been harder for for Ryan. He should have lost more sanity. Yeah. Anyway, that's true. 
pointless to say now. But yeah, po- uh, anyway, yeah, it's a it's a, an incredible game and a, and an awesome pick, I think, because uh, it is it is genuinely spectacular. And uh, uh, if you like pulp horror and you like things like <laughs> that, then Call of Cthulhu is hands down the best. And even if you yeah. want to just do straight up investigation, you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course you can. Of course you can. You don't have to, uh, you know, the 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 big bad, if you like, doesn't have to be an otherworldly creature in that campaign. It could just be a straight up evil guy that's causing it all. And you still make your insanity checks. You know, you might stumble into a serial killer's lair and find some of his workings and stuff. And yeah, that's a sanity check. It doesn't have to be a ghost or a tentacle. It still comes under sanity because, you know, normal people coming across things like that, they're not used to it. And it can really shake you up. And another thing as well, the skills. There's like a universe of skills you can have for each character. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it sort of simulates people specializing in things as well. Otherwise, you mm. can have somebody, you know, everyone could have the same wealth of skills, you know. And if you have mm-hmm. a bunch of different things, then it means that people have to specialize yeah. Imagine if you took, because uh, oftentimes in, in Call of Cthulhu, because it's kind of it's like a, a point spending system, right, based on your mm-hmm. education and intelligence. Oftentimes you, you actually start with a hell of a lot of points to spend. But yeah. because there's so many skills, if you spread them all out, you'd have like 5% and everything. Imagine yeah, how I'm okay at loads of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I read it. a bit about anthropology. I read a bit about accounting. <laughs> I did a tax return once, so I know a little bit about that. Right. <laughs> yeah, literally yeah, exactly. like that. And he'd be like, I read a book once. Electronics? Yeah, I've got 5% in that. I know a bit about that. I read a book about it, right? <laughs> Anyone got library use? Well, I've got library card. So yeah, I've got my card, mate. Yeah, I've, got, <laughs> but I've been there once, right? I didn't return. Didn't once. like it. It weren't for me. <laughs> but yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> give it a go. Fuck it. <laughs> you know what? I actually want to make that guy now. Yeah. What's that? What do you say? It's like um, jack of all trades, master of none. That's what that is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That. Well, that's what his. That's what his name would be. But he. He. He's like. He went to university, and he studied because you tend to pay educated characters in this, right? So he went to yeah. university, and he couldn't figure out which course he wanted to do. So he kept. He kept changing and changing and changing, and eventually they kicked him out because he wasn't passing any of them. <laughs> And that's why he walks away with a little bit of everything, but <laughs> not enough to be good at anything. <laughs> Shooting, Do yeah, it. I did a bit, a bit of that. I played Time Saw Crisis. Saw a gun once. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Time Crisis. Um, but no, it's fantastic. It's a great game. If you haven't played it, go out and play Call of Cthulhu. Do yourself a favour. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? The new edition's out too. Actually, I prefer 6th, but 7th is, is good. You know, the good. thing is, is that they're both they're both almost identical. It's just I, yeah. I I actually preferred the old way that the you used to do opposed skill checks with that table. I know it was more the resistance table. Yeah, but it was a little bit. Yeah. I liked it, man. I liked that's the, cool. It was a bit more simulationist, and that was kind of lame. Because what mm. otherwise, why wasn't the whole game done like that? Why was it two yeah, different mechanics? I do understand that, but I I liked it. I I don't it's know. Fun. It's fun. <laughs> Um, but to be fair, either, both editions are great. So if you can get your hands on either or, then do. Yeah, even fifth was awesome. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Just get your hands on anyone. Um, so what about you, mate, number one. Yeah, my number one is going to be uh, the Savage World of Solomon Kane. So I cheated. Ooh. I checked. because uh, oh, this is go. technically a setting. But the thing about it is, is that this is an RPG because it's it's got the rules and the setting in one book. So it's an RPG ah. book because it's got you've got Savage Worlds Explorers Edition, I think, and then. Uh, Solomon Kane, all in one book, so it's wow. technically a role playing book, mm. and you can get it all for about thirty five pounds if you're in the UK. 
Or... That's a chunky old book, isn't it? A chunky old document. It really is. And uh, if you're Ooh. in America, that's about $2,200. So, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, this is a game where you play as um, beast beast hunters. Um, or just but basically anybody that is um, fighting the fight for good in a world where the um so the beasts of the night have started to knock back and uh, yeah. people genuinely g- generally don't believe that they exist because mm-hmm. they're there but there's not enough of them for it to be a widespread belief um mm-hmm. in a world where people have forgotten how to fight them and so your characters you would you typically play people that are fighting back against these things um, and it's in the late 16th, early 17th century. We did a whole podcast on it. It was good. Go and listen to it. Um, so yeah. that's that's essentially the um, the kind of backstory for it. But it's all supported by um, it's it sort of uh, yeah runs in Savage Worlds as it were. So it's a Savage Worlds RPG. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason I picked this was just so I could talk about Solomon Kane some more. And realistically, this is Savage Worlds is at my number one spot, but it's it's Solomon Kane because I mm. think Solomon Kane is. Um, it's one of the best settings out there because in that book you have everything you need to run a globe-trotting, monster-hunting, uh, pulp-ass fucking campaign where you can just be any type of character from any part of the world and yeah. really have at it and have a great time. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. book has everything you need. Like, you've got um, sort of massive parts of the the world sort of mapped out what was going on at that time what type of adventure can you do there it's even got sample adventures sample items for those places and some of the lesser areas usually the areas in which have colored people and in which is a bit racist of the book are not so detailed however they still make a mention of it and still give an idea mm-hmm. how you can uh, run adventures in them and stuff like this and it's it's brilliant and it has a low magic type magic system where magic is rare and difficult to do Mm. and also often not damaging too which is fucking awesome because it means that uh, magicians and black magic white magic are forced to um, think about how they use magic creatively as opposed to just going in and be usually what they do in dnd is just picking all the spells that have fire involved in them and in this you can't do that Nah, isn't it feared as well in the, in the Solomon Cain world? So if you pop off a magic spell in front of the wrong person, you can get yourself hung and stuff like that. Yeah, more often than not. And it, it tends to trigger people's fight or flight response. So it means mm. that in battle, um, you, if you're fighting against human enemies, uh, a lot of times they're either going to fight to kill the mage viciously mm-hmm. or they're going to try to uh, fight cow- in cowardly ways or they're going to leg it. So yeah. it leads to some really interesting um, uh, role play and and really interesting battles as well, and mm-hmm. especially if you encounter another mage out in the wild, which you did <laughs> at one point uh, when fighting in Korea at one point. Yeah, and and this is what makes the game so interesting and fantastic for me. Um, it's it's just got everything um, for a dark fantasy setting. It's it's spectacular, uh, dark, mm-hmm. and it's it's one thing I forgot to mention is that it's a horror setting as well, obviously. Because it's uh, oh, of course, yeah. Robert E. Howard, and it's mm-hmm. his other thing, other than Conan, his second most famous thing. But it's yeah, it's horror. So it's uh, yeah. it's, it's when Savage Worlds still had the guts um, skill in it, and see mm-hmm. something horrible, roll guts, and then you might have to roll on the fear table, and uh, bad shit can happen to you. Um, mm-hmm. The most oh, don't notable, forget to mention as well, gunpowder. 
Oh yeah, it's got gunpowder in it, obviously. So you've got guns and mm-hmm. shit. So if you like fantasy with guns, this is this is your yeah. thing. So um, they uh, the guys in the game made made massive use of that, making grenades, uh, which mm-hmm. is a rule in the game for making your own grenades. Um, and they made their own grenades often. Uh, it was kind of funny because Nick went from playing one character who was a crack shot with his gun and uh, had the I forget which. Um, edge you had but you had an edge where you could reload it really quickly so it only took yeah. one turn to reload you'd often mm-hmm. uh, have your gun out in one hand fire it off at the beginning of the round back off reload it um, as yeah. an action um, and fight with your sword um, on the turn you were reloading to try and back people mm-hmm. off you know multi-action yeah really good strategy then when that character died you took you um, started being the, the pirate captain Bill and forgot to take <laughs> the reloading edge do you remember <laughs> And then oh spent a, yeah. a whole fight at the back of the room trying to reload both of his guns. He was just oh, like he just at the beginning of the fight just went bang bang popped him off and then he spent the whole fight with that oh, little brush. Shit. Hold on, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. with the tiny little brush down the front of his gun, just like. Oh, Bill! As soon as you leveled up, you're like, right, I'm buying the fast reload thing. Yeah, yeah. But he was cracking Bill as well. I did enjoy playing Bill for his for all his faults. He was fun. Yeah, <laughs> Jonathan. Picked, yeah, he picked a, uh, uh, an edge where you had a little um, little cabin boy. Yeah, as a servant, yeah, a little mate. Yeah, Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan was addicted to. Um, he was addicted to um, like the mold that grows on the inside. Oh of ships. my god! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Can I lick it, Captain? No, Jonathan. Yes, enough mold for you today. <laughs> <laughs> right, Captain. Oh man, it was yeah, so, so good. Son of it was so is, good. It's one of the best ever. Mm-hmm. Before we yeah. get onto your submissions, listeners, what we're going to do is we're going to very, very quickly give you our wild card submissions. Now, what these are yeah. is a game we wanted on our list but couldn't for one reason or another. It could be that we don't play it enough. That it's not strictly a role-playing game. That. Um, it's a, a bad game, but you like it for for shitty reasons. Um, whatever. But point is, is that yeah, we got some wild cards. So Nick, yeah. what's your wild card submission? My wild card submission is uh, Fiasco. Um, reason being is that I think it's a fantastic gateway drug into the hobby. Um, it's rules light when it comes to well, there's no dice rolling at all, which is great. You just use dice more as tokens. Um, it, it, it's a purely um, cor- cor- it's a purely collaborative. <laughs> Why can't I say that word today? Try again. Collaborative. Hey, there you go. Uh, Did it. Collaborative game uh, where you all share a story and you all you all work. There's no GM, uh, GMless game, um, and you all work together to make this incredible story where all you all all your characters are linked in one way or another. The game helps you set up these connections and you elaborate on them as the game goes on. Now, for people that have never role played before, I think it's fantastic. Um, I've run this or helped run this for my wife. Uh, I've done it at Christmas for family, and I also run it for non-role uh, players. And every single time, it's gone down really well. They've had a right laugh, and all the turn-offs for some people, uh, like the rolling, and let's be honest, a character sheet can be quite daunting. If you don't know what you're looking at and someone just places a character sheet in front of you, it's quite a lot of information on them to take in. And, and for someone who's playing for the first time, I can see that being a little bit off-putting maybe. So for me, Fiasco, perfect gateway drug, gets you into the hobby, and then it's all addiction from then onwards. And I suppose there, the reason being that it's a wild card is because it's technically a story game, but it's got yes. role-playing in there. But it's, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I, I love it, and um, I had fun when I played it. It, it was a good, yeah. um, 
it's a good laugh it like just making stuff up and and getting mm-hmm. this big story together and the way it always comes to a head at the end is nuts i love yeah. there was a scene where um we we had one where where somebody um was doing a scene and midway through i just said right i come through the wall in a car and they were just like why and there was like well that's just what happens goes around yeah. goes around the table round around the table and then we cut to uh, like a scene that was earlier and um me and james because we were husband and wife were having a shootout with each other while he was chasing me down the street oh and we were, were firing at each other like with a gun because i'd just stolen a bunch of money off him he was a gangster and I, I picked up his gun and a briefcase and i was shooting at him and then i skid down the street and crashed into the tv studio that was in the scene brilliant before. And it's like, it's like things like that that make Fiasco so fun because yeah. you, you it, there's all these scenes. And even when your character dies, it doesn't matter because you can go back Mm-mm. to an earlier scene in their life. Yep. You could yeah. do a flashback. You could become an extra. It's very fluid, the game. Yeah. Very, really very good. fluid. Really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My wild card um, is going to mm-hmm. be um, Shadowrun. Ooh. Now, the thing is about Shadowrun, it's a good game. And it is an RPG, mm. but I don't feel like mm-hmm. I've played it enough to have put it on my top list. See, okay. Vampire, I only played it once, but I played it for bloody ages. And so, mm. yeah, I love it, and it's it's fantastic. So that belongs yep. on the list. Um, however, Shadowrun, I, I don't know if I can really stick on the list, because I've only played it a handful of times, and I played a Savage World, Savage World's mod of Shadowrun, yeah. which was fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also only played 5th edition uh, four times. And then I've played the video games. Right. So yeah, I think I don't. I couldn't justify putting this on your list. And uh, come at me if you think I'm an idiot. But I absolutely adored my time with Shadowrun. The four sessions mm-hmm. that I played with it, a very <laughs> short adventure because you can't really call it a campaign. But um, yeah, I started off in this. Uh, so Shadowrun's a um, cyberpunk um, uh, futuristic game with magic. Uh, an event called the Awakening happened, and it brought back all the things from fantasy in in the future. And it led to things like dragons running businesses in the fu- in the future. It led to um, elves and uh, dwarves and orcs being uh, regular things on the streets of Boston, and uh, and people casting magic spells in the um, pursuit of corporate secrets. And that, to me, is just what makes makes the game so awesome. And it's all supported by a fantastically easy and fun dice pool system that really, really mm-hmm. works. And uh, I, I love my time with it. The only trouble, I would say, is that I started off too big with that campaign. Way too big. I had them doing a, a like epic level shadow run where they were hitting one of the biggest corporate clients in the world because I thought it was only going to be a one shot. Yeah. Oh, right. And, and then it after out that, to be a lot longer. Yeah. Well, yeah. It turned out to be a lot longer because we everyone was like, "Oh, we have to play that again next week." I want to see what happens as a result of what happened. And then I was like, "Wasn't oh, that the one God. with Hulk Hogan and his hypno disc?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, "Well, how do I top that? How can I top what just happened?" Because it turns yeah. out what happens is they go to the top of this. They they had to go fight their way through this like twenty floor office building. They tipped off security. Um, there, there were alarms going off. They were hacking through doors. They were hacking security robots, fucking fighting their way up. They, the security had a bunch of critters, which are like the beasts in Shadowrun, in these like big containers. They were ch- chundering them out and like in, into hallways while they were locked in. And then they got to the top, and it turns out the um, 
boss of the place was like a uh, had like a hanger on his on his roof, and uh, and they he flies off on a in a, a Harrier jet, and they jump in the other one, but they couldn't all fit in it. So Sledge, one of the street samurais, slices his sword onto the wing and stands on it and was firing his pistol at the other fucking plane <laughs> while they were while they were fucking flying along. It was fucking oh, insane. And so it so then I was nuts. like, I was like, how can I top that? So then. Um, what it was is the FBI calls them up and thanks them for all their service and thanks them for what they've done in in getting those secrets. And he's like, listen, I want to reward you. And he gives them an oil rig off, off the, um, uh, off the shore of, I can't remember where it was, but it was a Hispanic country and I can't remember where it was. Mm. Anyway, uh, Costa Rica, that was where it was. Ah, yeah. And, um, he gives them an oil rig off, off the coast there. And, um, he, he says, he says to them, right. Uh, well, anyway, if we have anything else, we'll give you a call. But you can do your missions from this new base. It's um, completely in uh, international waters. You're, you're bound by nobody here and stuff like nice. this. So they start doing missions. And then eventually, they're, they're, you know, a couple of missions later, they say, um, you know, we've got so much money now. Like, Because this is what eventually happens in Shadowrun. They get so much money. It's like, why would they do <laughs> runs anymore? And yeah. um, they were just like, we won't. So then Phil goes... Sorry, I know this explanation is going on for too long, but in Phil, Phil's character, Gentry, he says, um, I'm going to run for president. So he funds a presidential oh. election campaign using all the money that he's got. <laughs> and this is where it just got full sandbox. And I said, okay, fuck it. How can I top what we've done before? And I just said, okay, you're running against um, Hulk Hogan, but it's Hulk Hogan, but with a bunch of cyberware. And he's using a hypnotic magic disc to um, to trump everyone and make them believe that he's the right candidate. He goes on to yeah. political shows. Instead of actually going on there and saying like, yeah, um, these are my policies. He just holds the disc up to the camera, and everyone's like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah." Anyway, it was supposed to end with them fighting uh, him on a um, rocket that's being launched onto the moon um, using, uh, mo- like, what was it like um, bloody hell, magnetic boots on the side of like spacesuits? Yeah. But um, they chickened out and went somewhere else. I was going to say, what happened? They just bottled it didn't they in the end yeah he, he, Hulk Hogan sort of um, ran ran away from them and uh, went to NASA where his uh, where, where he had a hideout and he was going to go to uh, like basically get in a rocket and go to the moon to hide from them and um, I thought they were going to chase him and sort of fight fight him in the, oh. in the rocket but no they didn't so uh, yeah that's Shadow Run. <laughs> after all that, after all that epicness, it just went out of a bit of a damp squib, didn't it? Yeah, it really oh, did. we'll leave him. But now nah, the game, the, the, that that whole campaign, as short as it was, sounded out of this world. It was stupid, and that is—I don't think that's how Shadow Run is quite supposed to be played. But if you want, <laughs> if you want a way to end the Shadow Run game when they've got too much money and they don't know what to do with it, maybe that's a way to do it. Get Hulk Hogan out. He always works. Exactly. Um, what I'll do is I'm going to go for a quick couple of submissions of what your guys' favourite RPGs on the planet were because I feel as if um, some of these are bloody fantastic and I, I quite um, quite like these answers. So, um, again, as I said, no wrong answers here. So Morgan John Ellis, he says, In all honesty, I'd have to say my favourite game is D&D 5e. It was the first RPG I'd ever played and I found that over the years it really brought me out of my shell socially and taught lots of skills that I use to this day. So, what type of skills are we talking there, Morg? We're talking magic? <laughs> talking demon slaying? We're talking performance? Well, yeah. Performance. Like, but bardic oh. performance. He's learnt the loot. Ba- ba- yeah, exactly. Fair enough. <laughs> 
All right, well, that's a good one. And and this one, this one's quite close to our heart because we've got Timothy Peer. He comes in, he says, Dungeon Crawl Classics. It has the heart and soul missing from modern Dungeons & Dragons, birthed from classic Appendix N literature that made me want to play D&D and RPGs in general combi- combined with a design... Combined. <laughs> Combined with the design philosophy that lets countless people hack and homebrew it into amazing settings. It makes me feel like I'm putting my players into the stories written by Howard, Liber, Moorcock and Vance. Currently, D&D has lost its soul and Goodman Games saved it from the underworld and reforged it on an anvil made of creativity and nostalgia. If that, ain't bl- if that guy ain't a writer, I'll eat my hat. He, pro- <laughs> he definitely is, isn't he? I'll tell you what... Um, that is is so well put and and absolutely mm-hmm. right because you know one yep. of the one of the sort of design philosophies behind uh, DCC was that they get back to designing it based on Appendix N literature. And if you don't mm. know what this is, Appendix N was essentially a list of books that Gary Gygax said inspired D and D. And ah. it's a big um, that there's a, a podcast that I think it's called Sanctum Secorum that that that, re- that goes through Appendix N literature and Appendix N type literature and reviews them all. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that you might be familiar with are uh, Lankmar is one of them, I believe. Call of Cthulhu oh, right. is another one mm-hmm. as well. Oh wow! So yeah, there's there's loads of other ones that inspired D and D. Conan, I think, is on there. But yeah, um, go and have a look at that um, list if if you haven't heard of it. Um, because yeah, it's it's really awesome, and that was what inspired D and D, and DCC goes back to that philosophy. So yeah, nice, uh, very well said. Um, yeah, absolutely. Terry Hansen says, uh, "Man, D and D five E all the way. In love, the high powered, bigger than life characters. Learn to type, Terry. The shitload <laughs> of abilities you get each level, amazing." In all seriousness, I do have a love for D&D. I blame nostalgia-coloured glasses more than anything. It takes me back to my youth and looking through the magic items and monsters. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I, I kind of said on the uh, take that we did of this podcast before we had to bin it, um, <laughs> that, uh, I, I really, really did enjoy. One of the things I miss about classic D&D, as much as I like the streamlined ones, I love the big list of magic items. Yeah. So I know DCC has all these tables and things to roll your own, but it's so cool having those cool items and stuff. And the one I mentioned the other day was that in Pathfinder, I can't remember what it's called. Somebody let me know. It's a fucking barrel that you could get in and control it like a little mech and little spider legs come out. (laughs) And I was just like, what the fuck is this doing in here? This is a game that takes itself really seriously. And you've got a barrel spider mech. Barrel spider mech. (laughs) So, yeah, give me some of that, that action. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, as much as a random table can come up with some cool shit, I ain't never going to do Barrel Spider Mech. Uh-uh. Nope. But Terry continues and he says, same for World of Darkness games. I spent many years and have so many memories from keeping Vampire. I highly doubt I will ever play World of Darkness systems again, but it has left its mark on my love for role-playing. And then my main favourite is Savage Worlds. I love the freedom of creativity it provides both... F- both players and GMs. It has given me a great way to bond with my kids and make many, many new friends. Uh, I think it's awesome that Terry has managed to um, get his kids into role-playing via Savage Worlds. Yes, Because I I also think it's a a game that is really easy to um, understand what each thing means. Mm Because although in in D&D it's like higher number equals you're better at it, it's Mm -hmm. it's still like a very complicated game. Whereas in yeah. in Savage Worlds, it's like higher dice equals better at it, and you roll, you just mm-hmm. roll a bigger dice. 
simple. Yeah, yeah. And I think Savage Worlds is quite an easy game to explain on the fly. So rather than try and sit someone down and give them this big kind of primer and give them like the basic rules, Savage Worlds is quite uh, streamlined that you can literally kind of just teach it as you play it so when something new comes up you can just kind of explain it on the fly with savage that's Rose, how which I've is i like it. Yeah, yeah i always yeah. just tell people sit down and play tell me what you want to do i'll tell you how how, how we roll exactly and, uh, and it's really easy to explain yeah exactly that's it, mm-hmm. that's one great thing about it so yeah i, I can see why terry plays it with his young'uns yeah so absolutely. mike morrison he says we've got two here this is a two shot right because mike morrison says rifts i love the post-apocalyptic setting and Kira Tarokio, she says, um, rifts because anything goes. There is endless possibilities and crossover opportunities. I love crossovers. So I guess if you mm. want to play, if you want to play like a gun-toting skeleton cowboy from space who's a vampire lesbian, uh, <laughs> a lot fighting alongside Super Mario, Spider-Man, and a fucking Mogwai from Gremlins, that's happening. That's happening. A lot of people like that kitchen sink type thing. Mm. I don't know if I like it. I think uh, it's not my cup of tea, honestly. I th- I think that it's it's awesome for people that like it, but jeezy crazy. I don't know. Rifts, man. It's it's nuts. It is nuts. Because mm. I think when you I've give... not read enough about it to be honest with you um, to make a kind know, of decision on it. I, I played it once and it was fun, but to be fair, I was um, I, I I didn't really understand the setting that much. Like, I know yeah. that you, you play people that, I don't know, we're going to sound so ignorant here, but I think that you play people that uh, belong to this big organisation and then you hear about, uh-oh, there's a rift and there's bad stuff happening that in the Earth dimension or whatever and there's right. somebody there that shouldn't be there. For some reason, the Mario brothers have come out of someone's shitter. <laughs> Go and sort that out. <laughs> Things like this. Okay. All right, it's a bit like. Do you remember that old series that was on called Sliders, where they used to slide between different dimensions and have to sort shit out? I guess it's like that. I don't know what Sliders is. Don't you remember that show mm. from the nineties or early two thousands? I'm sure it was called Sliders. I might be wrong, um, but that was all right. That show. But we've got go. time for pointless. one more, right? One got, more, and it is Uncle J Raz, and he says, "Whack off sock version three point seven five is and was my jam." <laughs> Sake. So, I guess, sake. Well, that's the that's the best way to end it. So, cheers there for that, go. Uncle Jay. I appreciate the input. No, I don't. Don't ever email again. <laughs> don't you ever email again? We, I hope you still ain't got that sock. <laughs> well, you will keep all your old RPG books, right? You keep your old whack off sock. It's not whack off one point because it's so solid. He just slides it on in the shelf next to his RPG books. <laughs> When he's like, someone's like, what's that? You're like, never mind. <laughs> That's an old RPG. Do you want to play? You get it out and it's like crumbling. Just turns to dust. Oh, sick. I've got to eat dinner in a bit. Stop it. Put me off my food. <laughs> <laughs> what are you having? Uh, fish cakes with a rocket and some cucumber. That sounds good. I made as well. So mm, made, them like, made them yesterday. I'm yeah. having mince. Ooh, what, just mints? Just mints. <laughs> Shut up. All right, anyway, um, that's it for another podcast, everyone. Um, that yeah. was a bonus because we're going to we're gonna start some Cyber Sprawl classics up on our very next episode. Yeah, we're going to be um, we're gonna be doing that, and it's going to be so much fun. So uh, look out for that one. Uh, another thing I wanted to say is uh, 
keep your eyes peeled for SavageCon. If you're in the UK, um, have a look out for that because it's on the 13th and 14th of April in Red Hill. On the Saturday, we're going to be in the Toby Carvery and on the Sunday, we're going to be in the Junction. They're both five minutes from the station. If that, that's if you walk incredibly slowly and are blind. But um, yeah, yeah, if it's £10 a ticket, all games, all day. And we got such amazing GMs as Connor Warden, uh, Owen Lean, Nick Lamley, me. We're all there. We're the best GMs on the planet and we're we're all there (laughs) running games. We're all there, man. We're all there, man. So um, it's going to be fantastic. Come by, uh, play some Rippers, play some Deadlands, some Whacked in the Wicket, which is a game that me and Nick wrote. Um, They're all being run there, and it's £10. And for that, you get entry into a raffle where you can win fucking amazing prizes, such as... Mm. Saga of the Goblin Horde. Uh, we got Titan Effect. We got Fiasco. We actually got a bundle of Fiasco, which uh, yep. is bloody awesome. And we've got uh, a two hundred massive, massive, yeah, two hundred fifty pound. What? It's a bundle, mate. It's a bundle yeah. of uh, Hellfrost. Every single book, PDF of the Hellfrost um, library, all there. Yep. Um, for you, two hundred fifty dollar. Um, yeah, package there. So that's another prize you can win. Uh, there's so many more, but uh, yeah, well, that that's it. Just keep an eye out for that. Go to SavageCon mm-hmm. UK um, to check that on Facebook. And if you want to contact us, that is 3TRPGpod uh, uh, at gmail.com. And we're obviously yep. on all the social medias as well. So just search us up. Mm-hmm. Just search 3T and we're there. And finally, if you'd like to contribute towards this shit show, please do. Get over to Patreon, 3T RPG Podcast, as we said before. And um, yeah, donate if you would like. We very much appreciate it. All goes back into the show. Yeah, because you know what? Because well, we got yep. the um, Cyberspool Classics coming up. Donators mm-hmm. will become people in that show. Oh, yeah. And we've just had a new one. So uh, you know who you are. Look forward to hearing your name in the, the upcoming upcoming campaign. Woohoo. All right. See you later, yeah. everyone. <laughs>